see everything on one page. It's wonderful. It's a great invention. I use my phone as well, but yeah. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 14. I'd worked out a little bit of an intro here, but you know, I'm just going to dive right in because I've got quite a lot to say this morning. Worship, you know, is often a point of friction in churches. Too much of this or too much of that or not enough of the other. But the friction for the Corinthian church was different. Their meetings were chaos and uh, people didn't know what was going on or manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but there was disorder. And that's what Paul is correcting for us in this passage. Today, we're particularly looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit of tongues, interpretation, and the gift of prophecy. And as a church and as a movement, we believe in baptism in the Holy Spirit, and those who are baptized in the Spirit um, have access to the gifts of the Spirit, and God can use the gifts of the Spirit through us. That is what we believe as a church, and that's going to continue until Jesus returns. Amen. So, 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll just start at verse 13, because there's an awkward chapter division there. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So we're going to look first at tongues and interpretation. Tongues is a tongues is a spirit-given, spirit-inspired language that is unknown and unlearned by the speaker. The gift of tongues is given by the Holy Spirit, but it is un- under the control of the speaker. It is like a flow from the heart. When we run out of language in praise and worship or songs or intercessions, we overflow into the gift of tongues. This gift can be used in private and in church gatherings. The gift didn't exist in the Old Testament. It's given specifically to us after Pentecost. The Corinthian church was excessive in their use of this gift of speaking in tongues. And this is what Paul says. The gift is incredible for building us up as individually, 
However, unless there's an interpretation in the public setting, it's of no benefit. In the public setting, the mysteries of the Spirit cannot be revealed without interpretation. We are speaking in the air, he says in verse 9. Outsiders will think you're mad or you're out of your mind, verse 23. We're all a bunch of crazies if there's no interpretation. That's what people will think. Remember that spiritual gifts are given for the body. They are not given to impress others or ourselves for that matter. They're not to become a source of pride in our spirituality. Behind every gift that's manifest, there must be that foundation of love. And that's why we have chapter 13 just in this context here. Paul was in no way forbidding the Corinthians to speak in tongues. In fact, he said the very opposite. Look at verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you crazies. He didn't say crazies, but you know, you get the meaning, don't you? He's saying it's a fantastic gift, but use it in the right place. Yes, use it in open church meetings, along with interpretation. And we do this. Why is this? So that all can say amen. And the incredible thing is, in verse 16, it says, the outsider will amen your thanksgiving. That's incredible, isn't it? Not many of us amen things, but the outsider will amen things. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Amen. Thank you. There was one amen there. There is another instruction for tongue speakers in verse 13. Pray for the power to interpret the gift. Now, please don't shy away from this. If you speak in tongues, then ask for the gift of interpretation too. Paul is not saying you have to interpret your own tongue. That can happen. But the gift of tongues and interpretation go hand in hand. They go together. If the Spirit inspires you to use tongues, position yourself. Open yourself up. Expect the Holy Spirit to give you interpretations from time to time. And let's remember it's an interpretation, not a translation. The interpretation may be shorter or longer than the tongue that it's given. Amen. You know, we are to bring spiritual gifts with love and an open heart. Open to being wrong, open to hearing more, but never trying to manipulate. This is one reason we have a host in our meetings. Their role is to listen and discern how the spirit is moving in each meeting and allow gifts to be brought forward that are in the flow of the meeting. And you see that in operation every week. It's not policing the meeting. It's not quenching the spirit. It's all part of allowing the Holy Spirit to flow and as we worship in one direction and allow for the manifestations to happen. Unbelievers in meetings where there is tongues and interpretation used properly will know and experience the tangible presence of God because that's what's going on. God is close to us. God is here when the gifts are manifest, when the gifts are given. Paul then interjects with the parable. Did you notice the parable there? In verse 7, it's about musical instruments. If the flute and the harp are not playing clearly, if they're hitting the wrong notes, or if the bugle is not blasting and the, uh, the call is not given, then the, they're not going to be ready for the battle. 
In the same way, if tongues have no interpretation and revelations and pictures and teaching and prophecy are just not understandable to any of us, what benefit is that to the church? It's like the noisy gong in chapter 13. You see, God is not mute. And that's what I've entitled this message. God is not mute. He wants to communicate his will and his word to bring revelation, to build up the church of Jesus Christ. So let's have a look now at prophecy. Prophecy is a word from the Lord through a member of the body, that's us gathered, inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to build up the rest of the body. The purpose of of, uh, prophecy we see in verse 3 there. To build up, to courage and to console. There are various translations of these three words. Um, Sometimes it's translated edify, strengthen and comfort. When I've trained people in prophecy in the past, I hammer this point home because it is one of the tests of prophecy that it builds up, that it encourages and that it comforts. That's the point of it. But does it mean that prophecy should never bring a challenge? Absolutely not. On Pentecost Sunday, Chris Joyce brought a very short, powerful wake-up call for us. His, his words were, wake up, church. Wake up, church. A three-word prophecy that was profound and a challenge. In the Battle of Hastings in 1066, Harold's English troops were positioned on a hill and they were winning the battle. On the other side were the Normans who were famous for their cavalry. And so William the Conqueror was using his army to try and turn the tide in the battle. They weren't winning. To his dismay, his soldiers were being forced back down the hill as they tried to confront the English. Now a bishop called Odo was among the cavalry. He charges forward on his horse and uses his bishop's mace to force the cavalry up the hill. And he did this by hitting the horses on their rump and the horses went up the hill. What a great use of a bishop's mace. I can't think of a better use. His actions worked. On the next charge with a volley of arrows, the battle turned in the favour of the Normans. And as they say, the rest is history. Comfort from the Holy Spirit is what that is called on the Bayou Tapestry. A kick up the backside is what the prophetic does for us on occasions. And that's an encouragement. Wake up, church. Wake up. I've been in meetings, you know, when you can hear a pin drop because the prophetic has come so clearly, so simply, and so profoundly. And I think when Chris prophesied that, that was one such moment. The understanding and the application to the heart is unmistakable. It's like a smack on the backside. So who is able to prophesy? Paul says that all can prophesy in an orderly manner. I don't have time to unpack this properly. There's an apparent prohibition on women in verse 34. 
um, in this relation to prayer and tongues and prophecy. It's probably referring to uh, wives trying to talk to their husbands on the other side of the meeting room because women would sit on one side of the meeting and men on the other and they would try and talk and it was probably causing some confusion. So that's probably what he's trying to address here because if not, he's contradicting himself from verse 21 and verse 31 if you want to look at that and from other letters in the New Testament. Yes, we can all prophesy as the Spirit apportions the gift. Paul instructs the Corinthians to, one by one, bring their gift to edify the church. They are not all to prophesy at the same time or interrupt each other or butt in. Paul does put a limitation of two or three prophets to speak at once. We can all prophesy, yes, indeed we can, but not all at the same time, not all on the same occasion, not all in the same meetings. You know, I've been in meetings, uh, not here, but elsewhere where there's been so many prophecies and you felt in your heart pulled here and pulled there and pulled the other place it's too many we just want to hear exactly what the spirit of God is saying for us now at this time and that's another reason we have uh, the host of the meeting so that we can follow the spirit's lead as we worship as we're in God's presence it's so beautiful isn't it Therefore, we're all able to prophesy, men, women, and children. Each of us have a contribution to bring, a tongue, a revelation, etc., etc., but not all at the same time. You know, if life group gets a bit boring one week, bring your gift. Speak in tongues, put, make them hop on their feet a bit, you know. Bring your gift to the meeting. You don't have boring life group meetings, do you? That's good, that's great. But, you know, we all have things to bring in the meetings. We all have contributions to bring. That's what it's all about. In Numbers 11, 29, it says, Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets. I wonder if Paul had this verse in mind when he was writing this. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. And Joel 2, verse 28, I just love this verse. This is the verse that we live in. This is, this is where we're at in, in Christian history, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, says God. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on male and female servants in those days, that's after Pentecost, I will pour out my spirit. We live in the days of God pouring out his spirit and God pouring out the gifts of the spirit. Hallelujah. Thirdly here, who are to excel in the gift? We are to excel in the gift, sorry. Verse 12, Paul says, strive to excel in gifts that build up the church. The church has not yet received all that she needs and he encourages us to strive and to seek to edify the church. The NIV is actually quite weak in its translation here, in my humble opinion. <laughs> he says, try to excel in building up the church. But I, I get a sense this word is much stronger here. He says, strive and seek. And that implies, doesn't it, practicing the gift. If you have a gift of music or writing or cooking or sport, you will improve with practice. It's exactly the same for listening to the Spirit of God. We will improve in exercising the gift. You will improve as you exercise your spiritual gift. Physiotherapists have a phrase to encourage compliance with exercise regimes. They say, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. I think they get that from 1 Timothy. They don't really. But 1 Timothy 4 says, 
Paul exhorts Timothy not to neglect his gift, to practice these things, immerse yourself in them. So we're, you know, to immerse ourselves and practice the gifts of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit apportions them. Fourthly, an example of the outcome of prophecy. Prophecy can challenge unbelievers. Prophecy calls you and me out. It calls us to account. It calls us to wake up. And the secrets of the heart are brought out into the open. Conviction comes and God is seen amongst us. Isn't that amazing? We have all this in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, I've seen this level of the gift of prophecy on video clips from the healing revival that I studied last year when I was um, on sabbatical. And I don't believe this level of prophecy um, is there to shame people or to embarrass them or induce fear into people. But when that level of the prophetic anointing is given in love, in the Father's love, it brings us to our knees and heals our hearts And that's what it's all about. It's about upbuilding the church, building the church up. There's much more that could be said about tongues and prophecy. Um, I've just given you a few things from this this passage here. And just to summarize these, I've got one more point after this, so don't think I'm wrapping up, okay? Stay with me. To summarize this bit, the gift of tongues speak the gift of tongues speaks to God, uttering mysteries in the spirit. And it builds up the believer in the church and in the public setting, it needs to be interpreted. Prophecy speaks to the church, hearing God's heart, which builds us up, encourages us and comforts the church, moving her forward in the purposes of God. It's to move us forward, okay? Prophecy is to move us forward. Do you know, I don't want to go back to normal. I really don't. People keep saying, I want to go back to normal. I want to do this and that and the other. I don't want to go back to normal in church. I want to go forward. Do you? Yes. And prophecy will help us in that. All the gifts of the Spirit will help us in that. I want to go back to verse 1. Paul says, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. In chapter 12, verse 31 says, Paul says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. So don't be British, desire, you know, <laughs> desire the, the better gifts. Chapter 14, verse 1, he says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. Chapter 14, verse 39, earnestly desire to prophesy. Are you getting the message? Paul has said it three times in just a few verses, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Put another way, be zealous, be uncompromising in your desire for spiritual gifts. You know, if we believe what the Bible says, then let's do it, eh? It makes sense, doesn't it? Why did Paul make it abundantly clear to the Corinthian church that they needed to eagerly desire spiritual gifts? Because, you know, with their history, as I said earlier, they were a bit out of control with them. You would expecting him to be saying, come on guys, tame it down, cool it a bit with these gifts. You're being over the top, you're being crazy, your meetings are chaos and unbelievers haven't got a clue what you're saying. So, you know, cool it a bit, cool it a bit. But no, Paul says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. The literal translation is desire eagerly. If you look at verse one, you see this beautiful picture here of the balance the emphasis is there for us in verse one 
pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. We need both, pursuing love and the gifts. Pursue God, be hungry for God. It's right there in your hearts. It's latent in our beings. I've, I've had a few conversations with people recently and people are beginning to feel hungry for God. Do you feel hungry for God? It's latent within you. You know, boys, I can only speak from a boy perspective, boys when they get to teenage years have all these weird hormones that start buzzing around their bloodstreams and they start thinking differently about girls than they used to and they start, you know, uh, trying to manipulate and see a girl and all this sort of stuff and, you know, be on a corner when they know the girl's passing and something. Because of these weird hormones, it's, it's in their veins. You know, it's in our veins to pursue God. It's in our veins to be hungry for God. To pursue love. To pursue loving God, loving the Father, loving Jesus, loving the Holy Spirit. It has that sense of pursuing with persistence and with passion. Those of you like alliteration, pursue with persistence and passion. Never stop pursuing God. And then in this context of pursuing God, pursuing love, desire the spiritual gifts. Pursue the giver along with the gifts. What hinders you? What stops you from prophesying or receiving any gift for that matter? The gift of healing, the gift of tongues. There are 19 gifts of the Spirit. What blocks are there for you? What stops you? The biggest one, I think, is discounting yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. I'm not mature enough. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, which is a load of rubbish. I cannot speak in public. I don't want to be a fanatic. You know, these are all lies. The gifts are not given on merit. They're given by grace. And you can receive spiritual gifts from your loving heavenly father who wants to give them to you the worst of all the lies you know i think is oh i'm not spiritual i'm practical it's lies 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 we are born spiritual beings it's part of our humanity it's part of how god has created so get rid of these ungodly beliefs about spirituality come on let's deal with those things that block us from receiving all that God has for us. I read with sadness recently that we're supposedly living in the post-charismatic era. You know, we as a, a church believe in the restoration of the gifts and ministries. Everything, we need everything in the church to help us reach the lost. We need spiritual gifts. We need to become even more charismatic we need to be a bit wilder, allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way amongst us. John Wimber, many of you who are a bit older would know him. He heard God say to him once, I've seen your stuff, now do you want to see my stuff? I think that's quite profound, don't you? Because, you know, we so often try and do church, we so often try to share our faith, we so often try to do this and that and the other, just on our own, in our own strength. And God has given his grace gifts to us, gifts from the Holy Spirit. That's God's stuff. 
So is God saying that to you today? You know, I've seen your stuff. How about you seeing some of mine? Follow the way of love. Chase after God. You know, it, it's easy to give an emotional response to this. I can feel very stirred about spiritual gifts and pursuing them. Um, and, you know, we can, we can get emotionally charged about it, can't we? And then by Wednesday, we've, we've forgotten about it, you know. To be one who pursues God is not just an emotional response. That's not a good foundation. It begins with a decision in the heart, a quiet decision, a choice to follow Jesus. You know, I made that decision when I was 18, when I was baptised. I'd been a Christian for quite a while. That was a decision I made, the direction that I was going to go in my life. I made a conscious spiritual decision that I would set my sail to follow Jesus all of my days. And I'm still living in that. I want to chase God. Do you? Because he's chosen us. He's chosen us. Just to continue the sailing picture, you know, I've gone off course at times. I've dropped anchor. I've been in a few storms. I've run aground. (laughs) I've not set my sails right. Done all those things. But I always come back to that position to pursue God. So God is not mute. Our Father desires that you are open to use every spiritual gift that he wants to give you to empower you on the great commission that we have. So can we pursue love together? Earnestly desire spiritual gifts together so that the glory of Jesus will be seen in his church and in the earth. Amen. Can I invite the worship team to uh, come back up and uh, they're going to sing um, a final song for us. I want us to respond this morning and we've got a few minutes left and I want you to respond at home because you're part of us uh, as well at this time. You know, I, I've just got this, this word posture in, in, in my head. You know, we, it's important that we posture ourselves to receive from God. You know, um, a while back before... COVID days, I turned my head around and saw someone in the congregation chewing gum in that sort of posture. And I'm not criticising, I'm glad that that person doesn't do that now. They'd go like this now. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we, we need to posture ourselves before God. And sometimes we need to be on the floor on our faces. Sometimes we need to be on our knees. Sometimes we need to be sitting quietly. Sometimes we need to be, you know, the, the good Helsham pose like this. Sometimes we need to be like this, you know, whatever. You know, our position, our posture before God is, is important. So I want you to posture yourself appropriately, not stand there chewing gum. I want you to posture yourself appropriately. Um, if, if that's what you want, if you want to desire love and you want to desire spiritual gifts I would like to invite you to posture yourself appropriately this morning and we'll pray are you up for that yeah come on let's stand together and um, let's uh, I believe in partation and it's nothing to do with a grand prayer of mine it's just what God wants to do amongst us and I believe that God wants to impart a gift to you today I really believe that and the Holy Spirit is here to to do that
for us. Just as the worship team play, I'll begin to pray. I'll just, li- I'll just name some of the spiritual gifts and maybe the Holy Spirit would say, yeah, that's the one for you to ask for today. There's gifts of wisdom and knowledge, faith, healing gifts, miracle gifts, prophecy, tongues and discernment, interpretation, service, teaching, exhortations, giving, mercy. There's some more as well. That's some of the gifts. Father, we just want to position ourselves this morning before you. We thank you that you are the giver of good gifts. You love your children so much and you want to give us gifts. And Lord, I just want to pray for an impartation this morning of gifts of tongues, of gifts of interpretation, of gifts of prophecy and healing, gifts of wisdom, gifts of exhortation, gifts of service, gifts of giving. Lord, just as your spirit wills, just apportion those gifts, I pray, in great measure upon us. And Lord, for those of us who who move in some gifts, Lord, would you deepen those gifts? And would you give us some more? Lord, you want us to see your stuff these days. Yeah, we're fed up doing our own stuff. (laughs) Yeah, Lord, we want to see your stuff. We want to see your glory. We want to see your presence. We want to see you breaking through. Just in part to all my brothers and sisters here, I pray in Jesus' name, all that you have for them. Yeah, and Lord, just cause us not to hold back. Cause us to to run. Cause us to set our sail. Set our sail to move with the Holy Spirit. Mm, Hallelujah. That's it. Just continue receiving. Receiving every gift he's got for you. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know if if a number of you have felt like you've been through a few storms recently. Um, if you just want to pop your hand up, you might have had a big storm this week or uh, you feel that you're in a season where it's, like, it's just like storm after storm. If you just want to pop your hand up, I want to particularly pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, boats are not built to start, stand in a harbour. They're not built to <laughs> remain tied up at a quay. They're built to go out to sea. And sometimes there's storms on the sea, but that's where boats are built to, to function. That's where boats are built to sail. And uh, yeah, it's part of our Christian experience. It's part of what God does in our lives is bring storms. Um, and there's purpose in those because they strengthen us. And we're built for storms. And yeah, those of you who said, yeah, I've got some storms, just remember that. You're built for storms. And Jesus is going to help you through the storm. Our boats aren't built to 
be in harbours. They're built to be out on the sea, sailing with the wind in their sails. That's what you're built for, the wind in your sails. <laughs> Amen. 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 If you feel a bit stuck at all, um, particularly sometimes people can get a bit stuck with the gift of tongues, um, then please phone someone up or... Um, even pray with somebody out in the car park <laughs> um, for, for that gift because sometimes it helps to pray with people um, particularly for that gift but go on can I encourage you to go on seeking God's gifts not just an emotional response this morning but set your sail set your sail to pursue God to pursue love and spiritual gifts because God's not mute he wants to speak to us so much in these days